<laughs> well, if you put it there, you got to call your stepdad. Good to see you, Gene. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the show. Adam Ray here. This is the About Last Night podcast. You know that because you clicked on it. Click on here to subscribe to the show. Tell your friends, tell your lovers, tell your haters and the players. Uh, clips, episodes, all the fun stuff right here on the ALN YouTube channel. Wow. This weekend, I'm going to be in stand-up live. Phoenix, Arizona. It's 197 fucking degrees, but we're doing shows indoors, thank God. Uh, six shows, June, uh, July. See, I'm already getting heat stroke just thinking about it. July 27th through the 30th. Stand up live in Phoenix, Arizona. Come out and see your boy. The weekend after that, ooh, hilarities. It's going to be hilarious. Uh, we'll edit this out. In Cleveland uh, at uh, Hilarities. It's a great comedy club. First time there. Can't wait. Come out and see your boy. Special guest will be there. He's a podcaster. He's a friend. He doesn't wear shoes. That should tell you everything there that you need to rip glass. Okay. Um, and then after that, La Jolla Comedy Store, August 10th through the 12th. All that ticket information at adamraycomedy.com. Thanks for going to see the Barbie movie. Thanks for the shout out. Thanks for the love. Um, go see it. It's still in theaters. Should be for a while. Gosling, Robbie, Farrell, Ray. That's not how they're billing it, but that's how my mom's telling people about it. Uh, today's episode is a banger. Rich Eisen is on today's show. Sports Center anchor, uh, NFL Network star, the host of the Rich Eisen show on Roku. The guy is just a living legend. We met at the NBA Awards in 2016 and uh, have stayed uh, homies since. I've been on his show a bunch, and now he's on the ALN podcast for the first time ever. So enjoy the hell out of this episode. Follow Rich on social media. Uh, let's put his social media up. It's right there. Um, I'm not going to take time to pull it up, but there it is right there. Follow him and follow me at Adam Ray Comedy on TikTok, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and I guess now Threads. Um, special information, shooting it in September. Cannot wait. Have another one in the can. Stay tuned. Special coming. Um, as well as uh, as well as the Dr. Phil live at the Comedy Store with Bill Burr. We did it last night. It was unbelievable. Burr was insane. We riffed for about an hour, and I can't wait to show you. We taped it. It's going up probably in the next two weeks, so stay tuned. But now that the tour dates and Twitter handles and merch info is out of the way, which you can get at adamraycomedy.com, look at all this stuff. Go get it. Look at that. Look at all that. Look at all that. Go get it right now at adamraycomedy.com. And enjoy this episode of the About Last Night podcast with Rich Eisen. I do. I love the way I sound. You should. <laughs> the people love the way you sound. I appreciate that, speaking on behalf of the people. <laughs> One and only Rich Eisen is here. Thank you, Adam Ray. I got to be honest, man. Cheers. Cheers. to. Um, is this a sponsored water? Uh, I think of most podcasts, but of the uh, Melrose Podcast Studios mm. and of the About Last Night podcast, unofficial. Mm. They're not throwing money, but they have sent me plenty of cases of yeah. water. Uh, I didn't expect a three-stair <laughs> walk-up. <laughs> Um, I didn't know this required cardio to yeah, do your program. I know, so I'm, I'm I've no, but I'm, I'm thank the, God you're fit, dude. The endorphins are flying right yeah. now. I feel it does good. give you a little boost. I, I do feel good. You don't need that Jamba Juice. Yeah, you got. And that. I appreciated that there was a code to actually walk in the door. Yeah, uh, you know, feel secure. I do. 
I do. I feel very secure. You guys at the uh, Rich Eisen Show, uh, streaming now on Roku. Yes, sir. Every day. How is it to do a show every day? <laughs> um, it's fun, you know. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a lot. Yeah. But sometimes things will happen. Like today, um, Nick Saban spoke, talked about the three-player uh, quarterback competition going on in Alabama's yeah. training camp and then uh, used an analogy about he's just going to let it play out. Now his uh, grandma used to make cakes and you know you had to bake the cake and you had to let the cake if you took it out of the oven too soon it would flop and so he was using that analogy to describe the quarterback race Oof. and some intrepid reporter asked the excellent follow-up question of What's his favorite cake? <laughs> yeah. And Nick Saban responded, carrot cake, which is an interesting choice, but I would normally let that just go. But then he said, by a wide margin, which I found to be aggressive. And <laughs> I found to be, as I called it today, uh, an attack posture Ooh. I couldn't let stand. No. Because um, for me, carrot cake is not even a top. 10 cake. I wouldn't even me. consider it a cake. It, it, it's a vegetable. That's what I said. That somehow See, got this shoved is why, into. Yes. And then somebody calls in <laughs> and says, but I'm not, you know, taking into account the Philly cream cheese top. Okay. And I said, when I want a dessert, <laughs> I want some sort of a celebration cake, which is something that is so filled with sugar that the under parts of my eyes begin to sweat like that's that's what i want out of a cake yes. i want the eye sweat of a cake you want your treats to puff you up certainly something uh, a a a a good reaction not some visceral reaction where i said uh i don't want vegetables in my for my dessert that said i also said i'm a a, a new york jew and i think bagels for cream cheese i don't think bagel you. you know no. what i mean like so here's my so impression this of is anyone... what i talked about today by the way so that, that's why i got on that subject matter. Like, <laughs> here's my impression of anyone uh showing up to a birthday party and seeing that carrot cake's being served yes what the fuck <laughs> that's it yeah uh, that's it by the way excellent thank you i felt like i was transformed <laughs> you felt like you were at the party i felt i was at the party yeah. and what's your next your move by the way if if you get if you're at a party and there's some uncomfortable moment that transpires yes are you a guy that leans into it makes a joke no because you're I'm a funny not a dude lean rich it. i'm not a lean into it i'm a, i'm i i don't like i don't like awkwardness like, i know no oh, like no. like so much so that well you and i share a similar favorite tv program curb your enthusiasm yes sir uh my mom can't watch some ep episodes and i understand that yeah but that said, at least that that I I, I kind of a, a fly in the wall. I, I do love every episode of Curb. Yes. Uh, but that said, I don't like living that. Right. I'm not I'm not into that. Okay. So you can watch from afar, but you don't. Speaking of uh, of Curb, what is your favorite episode? I was going to ask this da down the line, but we're here. Too many to pick from. There it's like asking are... what's your favorite carrot cake. Uh, I I think the Swan episode where they kill oh. the Swan on the golf course because I know he's he's sending up Riviera. And I actually, when he was on my show, I asked him if, because that, you want to talk about taking risks, which obviously comedy is all about, sure. as you know. I'm, yes. Um, but the ultimate risk is to put your membership of, to Riviera on the line <laughs> by sending it up on your insanely popular, world-renowned television show. Yeah. 
that was really out. I even asked Larry, I'm like, did you did you think twice about that? Were you worried golfer, about right? it? And he, yeah, yeah, because he's a member at yeah. Riviera. Yeah. Wow. And um, and he he was he was a little it was a little dicey for him. Wow. But so that episode is great. Anything with Richard Lewis is great. I know. The Funkhauser yeah. Memorial is one of my faves. Oh my God. Where he takes flowers from. from yeah, that's right. Because and gives <laughs> it to Funkhauser. He regifted the flowers. Well, no, remember he brought them to the. He had a run in at the ice cream shop with oh, the that's samples. Right. That's right. And there was a woman that was trying to get um, uh, uh, Vivica Fox's kids yes. and uh, Susie Esmond's kid, yes. Sammy, into Dryden School, I think. Yeah. And then he, so they were like, you got to make it right. Yeah. And so he brought the flowers. And then just Funkhauser being like. Notices the flowers. Where'd you get the flowers, oh, Larry? Oh, <laughs> so awkward. The two scenes, yeah. though, if I had to choose, that are my favorite mm-hmm. moments in Curb history um, involves J.B. Smoove with the soliloquy of you got to get in that ass. Because <laughs> that he that he he took it from the white supremacist in the uh, doctor's office yes. and didn't give it back. <laughs> And next time you gotta you gotta open that ass. Yes. You gotta step in it. Yes. You gotta wipe your feet. So funny. You know, and all like, improvised. All of that, right? That's number one. And then, um, I was told this was also not expected. Um, off the top of his head, uh, Bob Einstein, who plays yeah. Funkhauser, yeah. Uh, may he rest in peace. Yes. Um, when uh, <laughs> Seinfeld was on in that season. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. And he about. told the joke. At the, they were about to do the, the table, table read. read. Yes, at the table read where he ad-libbed that. So when 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 Jerry oh. laughs at it, it's he didn't know that joke was Which coming. Which we never see Jerry laugh like that. Right, exactly. Like truly, it's, I mean, it's, right. it's, there's certain people that you, we get to see, I guess, laugh more than others. But usually the people that are making us laugh aren't doing the laughing. Yeah. And Jerry, because when him and Larry are having their... You know, back and forths yeah. that kind of, um, you know, is what the shows end up being. They're, they'll make each other laugh, but they're so dialed in that it's yeah. like they're probably thinking, oh, we're being funny, but they're not actually showing it. Correct. So he got so caught off guard. He did. And that, I great. mean, the joke is so foul and so off color <laughs> and so funny the way that he told it. Yeah. And the way that Larry was upset that he wasn't telling it fast enough. <laughs> the whole thing. the fucking joke. I love that scene. Now, I was fortunate enough to actually appear in one episode What's in a that? cameo years and years and years ago. Remind me. For Jeff Green's daughter's bat mitzvah, Jeff Garland's yes. daughter's bat mitzvah, out on uh, one of the what are the hotel on, on in Santa Monica, Casa del Mar, out yes. in, in um, I think that's what it is, out in on um, Ocean. Okay, yeah. Um, out in Santa Monica. Yeah. And um, I vaguely do remember this. So I, where I just sh- no, I just I shook his hand, but that's the episode where he got. Uh, a hair stuck in yes. his throat from, from Cheryl. A, from Cheryl, <laughs> right? And um, and and how he, it was a rumor that he had like a tickle in his anus yes. or something oh, the like gerbil. that. That was that episode, right? That episode, right? I think that's what it, I might be mixing them up. The yes. gerbil. That's what it was. Okay. And so he 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 then did his speech to the group yeah. to the to the gathered masses at the reception yes. about. This is not true. He did not have a tickle in his anus. Oh, my God. And I sat in Video Village, as they say, and watched him attempt to deliver that soliloquy without laughing no fewer than a dozen times. He couldn't make it through. And I wish 
I, I wish I had those outtakes. I, I know, right? Sitting there, you know, with the headsets on and those chairs. Cause I, all Let's I make just, a wish it to get to sit there oh my and watch God. that. Uh, yeah, my, my, my scene was like literally walking up to Jeff Garland, shaking his hand just to and be walking there. out. A famous so that, person that's so at the bar I, I hung out for the rest of the day oh my God, to watch Mitch. the rest of the shoot, and I watched him attempt to, to get through that soliloquy. Um, and you guys are just laughing every time. He, could, he couldn't yeah. get through it. He had he wow. had and and he basically it's like okay hold on a minute hold on a minute stepped this stepped away turned his back to everybody flipped and tried to get through it again and couldn't oh and then just like minute just like okay I've got it because he knew he was holding things up do you remember what part was tripping him up oh because it just kind of all just, of it yeah. just the just the the idea of what he was trying to right do. him just trying to explain everybody yeah. <laughs> at a bar mitzvah at a bar mitzvah, a bar mitzvah. A bar mitzvah. Yeah. yeah 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 that a tick right. <laughs> That's brilliant. Larry, so Larry is, I wanted to ask you this too. I mean, having him on your show to me is like so crazy. Yeah. I know that stuff like that's not lost on you. You're such a it's fan right. of all this stuff, which yes. I think is, it comes through in all your interviews and all your shows. That's why you're so fucking good. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, man. And um, not only just with back and forth and gab, but you have a genuine interest in not only these people, th th whether you've met them, you know, even the first time I went on, we had met at the NBA Awards briefly. Mm -hmm. um, my buddy Adam Devine was presenting member and we yes. all went to that little after party and uh, and had a little tequila. And, and <laughs> I mean, I've been a fan of you since, I mean, dude, I, every morning, you started SportsCenter when? 96. Yes, okay, that's when I started watching. Uh, it was you and Keith and you and Stuart? Me and Stuart, and mostly. Stuart. Well, it started out where I, I got there just real brief, I got there at age 26 from Redding, California. I was just doing just gonna, lo local You're ABC. from Redding, California. No, I'm from New York City. That's right. But I had to go to, you know, wherever I wanted, wherever I could go to get a, a foothold. Yeah. So that was like, you know, Redding is about um, a, a two-hour drive south of the California-Oregon border. It's not New York. Is it was like Northern Exposure? If you ever right. saw that show, Come, I grew up okay. in Seattle. Okay, I went to Rosalind as a kid. Okay, so to it visit really was like I was the Jewish kid in the forest with the log lady. Oh my and, god! And and uh, I met a like I panned for gold. I went fly fishing for the first time in my life. People were awesome there. You soaked it up. I did, and then I just you know I interviewed a bull at a rodeo. Like that's the sort of twist, if you will, I was bringing to the local coverage there. <laughs> And I said I sent a tape to the headhunter under the category of it's just first class postage, and that headhunter sent out tapes, and ESPN saw me, and it was like literally like I got a winning lottery ticket, like hit the Powerball. Are you fucking kidding me? No, that happened, and I went to audition, and also I, I'm not surprised. The proof's in the pudding. You're you were ready for that opportunity. Well, I was I it was so wild just at age 26 just showing up getting a job and that was you know when Kilborn was doing the late night show and Dan and Keith were doing the 11 o'clock Eastern and Robin Roberts Bob Lee and Charlie Steiner were doing the six o'clock Eastern Sports Center and here I am at age 26 just walked in fresh out from Redding California you were the youngest kid there I had to have been yeah I, I it was just mind-blowing so I I started you know I started doing I and this just to bring it all please in, no in a point here is that you know you're kind enough to say that I'm you know into the comedy aspect of our pop culture landscape Always I did I did stand up in college for three years at Michigan yeah so I have nothing but the ultimate of respect for stand-up comedians and the process of what's funny and what's not what works what doesn't how you you try stuff out you don't what whatever so 
I started to try to bring that to Sports Center. The problem was was making everything a joke, not like spending mo- um, an ounce of time to yeah. give you the actual sports information. So I was bouncing around from team to team to team. Uh, Olbermann and I shared an agent, so he took an interest in me and was trying to tell me to pull back in a very uh, tough love type way. Pull back from what? Just going for the joke too Just, much? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he would stroll down the hallway. I would be strolling the other way. And he would walk past me and go, nope, not yet. And I'm like, oh, I just kept walking. And then the next day, nope, not yet, and keep walking. So after the third day of this, I'm like, okay, Keith, I'll bite. (laughs) You know, what do you mean not yet? Yeah. And he's like, you aren't even close to doing the sports center that you can do because everything's a joke where try out one night where you go through one highlight without making a joke. Just choose one, just do it straight, and then do two straight, and then do one entire segment straight, and then do one half of a show straight, then do one entire show straight. Do that for an entire week, and then an entire month, and then you'll be halfway there. And I'm like, holy shit. What? That's what I said. But that's like his opinion, right? Well, that's his opinion, but what his point was to make an extreme... uh, you know, plan for me because mm. I was truly over the top. Like my first sports center with sweetheart Larry Beal, who was very straight down the sure. middle. He didn't really have catchphrases other than "Aloha" means goodbye for his home run call. <laughs> he 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 did my did my first sports center with him, and um, I did what I did in Reading, which was anytime it was a New York sports team, I would do my Marv Albert impersonation because I grew up in New York and that was my guy. That's, yeah. that's who I imitate even on a daily basis today. He was a guy that kind of what got you into broadcasting oh, more or less? Him, oh, he did the NBC, uh, he, he called Nixon Radio Games yeah. on, on radio. Wow. And then he was the sportscaster on WNBC for, you know, that's the local broadcast. Yeah. And so I absolutely wanted to be him and I rip him off every day, even today. Cadence sort of uh, sarcasm so at any rate i i did what i did in reading the entire highlight nick's highlight in marv albert's voice and it had to have been (laughs) like seven eight plays 90 seconds long and i did the entire highlight in marv albert's voice great and then but threw it back to larry who was on camera next so i did the entire 90 (laughs) seconds as marv albert back to you larry like that great And and then he's just like like that face, he just went, okay. Like that was my first sports oh, center, God. and I did that over and over and over again. Um, so he didn't give you any sort of support, like oh Keith, thanks, Marv. No, oh no, no, I'm saying uh, Larry. Oh, no, La- well, I mean, he didn't know he didn't me. Know, from, yeah. He probably was like, who the fuck is this kid from Redding, California? You need rapport, right? The best uh, duos like right. each other off. And yeah. so Stuart and I, we had rapport like from the get go. Yeah. Um, and we never really talked about why. I mean, we just always knew. He and I were from completely different parts of the pop culture spectrum and levels of interest. Sure. Two different people from where we grew up. Obviously, our races are different, and we just had different upbringings and sensibilities and whatever. But when we got together, and even it was that way off camera too, we completely meshed. I mean, complimented each other. By the way, so today, much. as we're talking, would have been his, four, his 58th birthday today. No Stuart. way. I know. I know. So, Man. at any rate, um, I don't know how we got on. Well, so let me ask you. So this. yeah, so so I I I made everything a joke and a gag. Yes. 
Um, and so I had to pull back. And so you story. did pull back. So you took Keith's advice. Oh, I advice. had to. You know what also helped me pull back were your Seattle Sonics helped me pull back because I made everything a joke. And if the athletes were um, at the expense of it, I would do it. I wouldn't think twice about it because I was going for the joke. It had just that's that mattered. That's all that mattered was going for the joke. But you were a big sports guy. You did you oh, understand yeah. the value of like still because you were like, look, you're watching the highlight. So what else is that kind of why you were like, I want to get I my own. This is how I'm putting Rich Eisen yes, spin on it, right? Right, correct. And when I, I was a tour guide at Universal Studios on the tram yeah. in college, I mean, same thing. I was like, anyone can deliver and say, uh, "Escape from L.A." with Kurt Russell, which yeah. I said Kurt Warner many times and got called out. <laughs> and I would be like, "Was in that courthouse?" Yeah. And then, but I would always do. I was doing so many bits that it was like almost getting in the way of the tour. And right. my bosses would tell me like, every yeah. now and then, tell them about Apollo thirteen. You know, and don't work out your shitty open mic jokes. That is, that's correct. Yeah. Because there is still they're watching for a reason, right? Yeah. And it took me a while to realize that they're they're coming for the information and staying for the entertainment, hmm. not the other way around. And so um, hmm. it took a while, but and part of what helped me sort of mature and work in you know stuff like facts a little bit more. And pull back on the sarcasm and the smartassery was I always wanted to um, go out on the road and do an assignment, cover cover an event, um, because you know working there at the time and living in Central Connecticut, doing a show that started at two thirty in the morning and then they started expanding that late night show to two a.m. one hour long and re-air it throughout the morning, yeah. which is what Stuart and I did for many years together. Um, it, I honestly didn't know who I was talking to. I have no idea if people were out there listening. I would do the 2 a.m. show, and I would go home. By the time it was all finished, 3 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning, 4 in the morning, I'd sleep. Then it would re-air throughout the morning. I would sleep through the largest exposure I've ever had in my television career, which those sports centers had aired over and over again. And then... You know, there was no Twitter. There was no instant feedback. I would then go to work the next day. I had no idea if this was catching on wow. or anything. It was like living on the moon. You just had your folks to tell you, like, my I friend guess, Pam well, in Des Moines I guess, thinks looks my, so my, cute. My dad, my dad, you know, uh, he didn't really know sports at all. Oh, really? Yeah, zero of it. He, he, he... Eisenhower household wasn't a big sports My, my brother was. He's gotcha. the one who got me into sports. Gotcha. So, yeah, my, my dad would call me up after doing a show, and he'd go, how do you say Mitch Richmond so fast without <laughs> tripping over it? <laughs> like, that's the shit he would say to me. That's fucking right. brilliant. Dude. So I, I then just, I just pushed and pushed and pushed, and I want to go to an event. So they said, all right, uncle, about a year in, uh, go to Boston Garden, you know, drive up. Oh, this is you pushing ESPN. Yeah, to go. I kept saying like I want to go. They're like, fine. So you're going to cover a game for NBA tonight. If you remember ESPN, come on, all those yes, shows. Okay, dude. Stewart was a frequent host of NBA yes. tonight. It's almost like inside stuff, like in a right. It was kind of right, like fellow uh, your fellow, uh, you know, uh, Seattle uh, honk Kenny Maine did oh, RPM yeah. tonight. Yes, yes. Uh, Bill Pito did NHL yes. tonight. Yes, yes, yes. So for NBA tonight. They sent me to the old Boston Garden awesome. to cover the Celtics and the, at the time, winning everything in sight, Seattle Sonics. Wow. George Carl this is Coach, 96. 
Yes, sir. When we're about to, oh, so the year we went to the finals. So, yeah, right. So that was the team that they, they won 60 games. So it was just a few months into my tenure, right? Wow. So, um, or is the 96, 97 90, team? 95, was 96 was the Bulls Sonics finals. Okay. So, so the 96, 97 was one more. Kemp left the, the next year. So that right. was still a, a, an amazing so, right, team. Correct. They were winning everything. Yeah. So, because I got there in February of 96 and I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. I think that fall they sent me to the Boston Garden wow. or the next spring. I don't know exactly yeah. what sure. time it was, but I know I'd been on the air for close to a year. That's a big deal. Yeah. And so I went there uh, and I sat underneath a basket in a, in a press seat. Fascinatingly enough, Next to one of the Celtics' longtime scouts, I swear to God, Grandpa Al Lewis, who played Grandpa Munster, yeah. who was also at a comedy club on Staten Island. Al Lewis, he was the Grandpa Munster was a fucking scout for the Celtics, <laughs> believe it or not. And he sat there and I chit chatted with him and, you know, had their, you know, had I had a camera phone at the sure. time or a Twitter account. I mean, yeah, I, know. I don't know. I mean, an Instagram post. What a weird for thing sure. to think of life without selfies. Dude. No question, but I was living it. Yeah. So you remember long, it. That's all that matters. Long story short, and then I'll shut up and actually answer a question. No, no, no. That this you've is actually great. Asked. No, this is great. This is what you're here for. Okay. Um, so game's over. Sonics win. I go into the locker room, and the team comes walking in. And if you recall, one surly guy after another on that team. Oh yeah. Okay, they were they were they oh, were Kemp, Shrimp, Frank Brokowski, Peyton, the Glove. Okay, uh, George Carlson. Uh, Hawkins. Yeah. I mean, they were all David like Wingate. like yeah. lead pipe wielding pros. Oh, yeah. Like we're coming f- to steal your soul tonight, yeah. and we are gonna beat the shit out of you, yeah. and then go to the next town and yeah. do it to the next person. Yeah, they were like mean curs. Even on Sam the floor. Perkins, high as balls, had an edge to him. He, he was walking in too. And I remember each one of them walked in and they all like looked at me, like staring at me, staring a hole through me. And I immediately thought to myself, oh shit, what have I said about these guys on the air that they're looking at me like this? I I took it as a me thing. They might not have known me from Adam at all. They might not have known me from SportsCenter. They just might've been like, who is this stranger in our locker room in Boston? Is that the guy that covers Bulls from Redding, California? Exactly. Who knows? But they were staring a hole through me, and I thought to myself, oh, shit. What did I, do? <laughs> what did I say about them on SportsCenter? <laughs> yeah. And I started going in my head, did I say that's it? What, uh, oh, my God. It could have been that. And I made, I hated that feeling so badly, I made a pact to myself on the drive home. I will never, for the rest of my career, say something on the air that I would not say to the face of whoever I'm talking about. Wow. Because I will not do that again wow this emperor's no clothes feeling yeah was terrible and that's what made me kind of pull back to realize all right let's go for the joke but let's make sure it's not at you know lowest common denominator at the expense of anybody let's laugh with not at oh yeah you know um hit him and hug him that's it like that's the way i want to do my life and career for as long as anyone will have me and it were your Seattle Supersonics yeah. or whatever. They might have lost the Super by that point in time. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. That, what an that adjustment. Was that was it. Do you feel like that um, bled into your life as well? Like, you don't strike me as you've ever had, like, a mean bone in your body. So when you were, I think you were just trying to find your voice. So if you're making these cracks, to you it's probably just like, it's just a joke because I'm trying it. to be entertaining. Yeah, and I, I don't, don't like truly enough guy. hate Detlef Strum. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I have right. no. Right. Uh, so, so you... Um, 
okay, so you kind of make that adjustment. Do you, first of all, I'm sure they did. Athletes, I think at that point, Sports Center. I mean, you tell me when it popped on. Yeah. I mean, I would watch it every morning. Yeah. In middle, so '96, I was uh, what as of eighth grade. Yeah. And so, so I'm watching it every morning and yeah. all through high school before I go to school. It was like my routine. I mean, it was like I'd wake up extra early. Yeah. To watch you, dude. I've heard so many people like say my that. mom. It was just my mom and I from eighth grade all through high school. Make me breakfast. She'd be up with me. She'd watch with me, or just be doing whatever. Or sometimes she had to go to work at, earlier than than yeah. I'm there watching. But I was like not missing. There were times when I was late to school because you guys were like, you know, you tease a highlight that I wanted to see. Yeah, and I was like, oh, fuck it, dude. I'll just. I know Jaeger who lives down the street is gonna <laughs> is gonna skip first period. I'll go with him and I'll go I at second that. period. That's great, man. Yeah, Isn't that crazy. I've heard that from a ton of people. So people, I know, yeah, you will come up to me, you know, and like, hey, I watched you in the fourth, fifth grade before I went to school, sixth grade, and I'm like, how old are you now? And they're like, yeah, 41. <laughs> yeah, I've got kids just now, turned, and I'm yeah. like, whoa, crazy. you know, it blows me away that. Um, and then I'll see, you know, someone will tweet out a video of me doing a Wally Zerbiak highlight or. <laughs> Or something Great like basketball that. Name, by the way. You know, yeah, something from '97, '98, when the last dance was on, and the final episode, episode ten, I finally popped up yeah. on there, and my kids were seeing it, like me with my little flock of seagulls hair, oh, yeah. and um, it just feels like it's a different person, a different time, and really, different, like yeah, hell yeah. Although I met my wife there, and so my three kids are typically technically ESPN babies. And, wow. Yeah. Do you still? And I think I know the answer to this question, but like, is, your zest for obviously it's just a, it's a different time starting at that place and trying to find who you are versus now being like, I'm fucking Rich Eisen, <laughs> and I bring that to everything, and it's why I've had so many opportunities in every sport and and at the highest level, and the regard and respect people have for you, and how everyone from Stallone to Brady to LD wants to come on and chat with you. Did you do you still I guess um go into each day with um and again like you know times change we now live in this social media world where you can read stuff and you can it's for good and bad right yeah. there's more exposure for sure mm -hmm. with all the clips um f from the show and and how people digest stuff is different but i guess what i'm saying is like how do you keep a consistent love for the game because you know i'm 16 years in the stand-up and i still love it there are days right i had a, a week just last week and it's it's Proud to say, very rare. Yeah, but I'm still a human being, and there yeah. definitely comes uh, weeks where I'm like, I'm burnt out. I'm not motivated. Mm -hmm. I don't feel funny for a few days, or I just I'm like, and I'm like, all right, well, I, I try to put it on myself. Like, I got to maybe then be a person and do some stuff so I can kind of step out of. It's because I'm doing this too much, and I'm right. just like grinding too hard, and I'm not. I'm just not, you know, stopping to smell the roses, uh, more right. or less. But um, how do you keep a consistent uh, love for? for uh, what I, you do? I just. I don't know. It's just I I love it. Yeah. And the show that you know you're kind enough to appear on a a, a couple times, and that you are welcome to come on anytime Thank you want. You. Um, I own it now, so it's now like I'm in management. I'm trying to run a business as well as host that show. You're producing it as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's. Yeah. I mean it's it's a you know, I could bend your ear about how that wound up happening to me, but. It, it did where the parent company that birthed my show uh, tapped out of it and left me up to try and save it, you know, on the outset of the pandemic. And um, and it's a so the guys who stuck with me, um, I'm there happy to stick with them and grow it. And, 
keep it going, and that's a different challenge. And then, of course, being NFL Network year 20, yeah. you know, the NFL is just the greatest, re- uh, uh, you know, um, narrative-generating machine. It's just one story after another after another. Is football your favorite sport? Uh, baseball yeah. was the one that I covered at ESPN yeah. and um, grew up loving. Never thought the NFL would be a gig that I would ever be part of because when I was at ESPN, that was Berman um, doing you know the Sunday Night Countdown. Does and- everybody have a Berman impression? Oh, yeah. Back, 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 back. Right? Well, no, the, the one that I have for him... Uh, I, I've told this story before, but happy to tell it here please, as well. Please, please. Um, There's only been two Berman stories told on this podcast. Okay, so this here's your third. There's actually been none. I don't know. Okay, why I just here lied. we go. This yeah. will be your first. Yeah. I'm glad. Okay. I'm glad to break ground and with this. <laughs> that was story. the first Berman impression that's ever been attempted on this yeah, podcast. Very good. Very good. Um, so, uh, as I established with you, I got there at age 26, and before um, ESPN News was born, which is something that has come and gone. Yeah. So I was the last one that they hired to just throw right on SportsCenter. And, um, but before they did that, they had me observe shows for four weeks where I would just sit and watch, watch it get produced, watch it get written by the report. Shadow for a bit. Correct. I was just going to ask because uh, we uh, 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 skipped over, but when you yeah. went from Reading and that tape got accepted, yeah. I guess I was like, wait a second. So they just saw that tape and go, cool, you're on? No. No. You'd watch for No, I'll, and- I'll, I'll answer that real quick, too, is I, I, I got a call um, at at work from ESP, actually from an, uh, an agent first, um, to say uh, he had heard that I was the hottest up-and-coming sportscaster in America. Holy Can shit. Can I send him a tape? I remember his name. He was Henry Reich of William Morris. William Morris. And I remember thinking to myself, I said to him, I'm like, if you say so, because, you know, I don't feel very hot right now. How do you I'm get that sort go, of traction? I'm a, I, 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 I had no idea what was going on behind the scenes after I sent a tape to a headhunter. None. None. But he got a tip, and he called. Can he? Can you send me your tape? Sure. Called my brother up. Um, you'll never guess who just called me. What just happened? And uh, he's like, "That's amazing." Whatever. So hang up. Fifteen minutes later, my head's still spinning. I'm. Mm. I'm supposed to hop in one of the news cars and drive about an hour away to cover a, a high school volleyball game. Mm. And you have to. Re- you know, record it on your yeah. three-quarter inch camera. Oh, yeah. Go back and edit. It's a one-man band operation. Yep. So um, I uh, I remember just my head spinning. Phone rings again, and you could. It was one of those phones that uh, would ring twice if it was outside the area yeah. code calling right. in. Right, right, right. And they would only ring, ring. It would right. be like my parents. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So ring, ring again. I I said, "Well, I'm such hot shit." That's ESPN on the phone. Pick up the phone. And it's a guy named Al Jaffe, who I'd been sending unsolicited tapes and resumes to for years, saying, you have no idea I'm your guy, but I'm your guy. I want to be on SportsCenter. It's my goal. Never sent me anything back. And it's, hey, is this Rich Eisen? I'm like, yeah. He goes, this is Al Jaffe of ESPN. That's the look I made. (laughs) And I remember thinking to myself, he's explaining, like, you've seen your tape. We think you're talented. We'd love to set up a meeting. How quickly can we get a meeting with you? Uh, and I remember thinking to myself, my brother must have called one of my friends. And I almost said, really, who, which yeah. motherfucker? Because yeah, you can't believe this. Yeah. You know, 
put you up to that. Who's doing an Al Jaffe voice? Right. Why Which one of my even friends? Know? But then I realized, how would they know the name of the guy, uh-uh. right? My brother wouldn't either. So I'm like, oh my God, this is like legitimately fucking happening. And uh, he set up a, a meeting where they, they were coming to Los Angeles in a month for the Cable Ace Awards. Perfect. Um, Hosted by? I don't recall. No, it's okay. Um, and no, I do remember. It was Killboard. Great. Killer. Cool. Was doing the Cable Ace Awards. Cool. I do remember that. Um, and um, so Cable Ace Awards, all of that shit. And uh, here we go. Um, it's time to uh, to interview. I meet them all at the what's now the I guess the SLS Hotel yeah. here, the old Nico Hotel on cool. La Cienega. Yeah. Met them all one by one by one. They're like, let's have you out for an audition in January. Okay. I flew halfway across the country. A snowstorm made me turn around and go back. I thought, I'm never going to get this job. They're like, relax. Come back next week. I stayed in a hotel across the street, the Radisson Hotel across the street in Bristol. Yeah. And um, I couldn't sleep. Uh, I couldn't sleep. I was restless. And part of the reason why I couldn't sleep is I kept hearing running water. I realized it was the individual peeing in the toilet upstairs for me. I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) By the way, Radisson, hope you've upgraded your thin-ass walls. No shit. So I then decided, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'll just turn on SportsCenter and get ready for tomorrow. And I sat there, and I watched Dan Patrick, Keith Olbermann, SportsCenter. And I sat there saying every highlight, I was thinking this is how I would do it if I had the chance. That's how I would do it. This is how I would do it. You know what? That would have been my line. Great line that Dan and Keith said, but this would have been my interpretation of it. That's what I did. Go in the next day. It's time to do the audition. And they say, you're going to use these highlights that we cut for last night's Sports Center. Had no idea that the peeing in the bathroom that kept me up. You got to find this guy. Was actually helping me i had no idea that i was l- preparing for the audition next when that happened i'm like i've fucking i've got this i've already seen the highlights i know what i'm gonna say what if it was al jaffe and he was like dude this is That's, how I, this is how i prep you kid like, I, i'll go upstairs and i'll pee in the toilet <laughs> you ain't sleeping you're prepping that's what happened. No one sleeps through Jaffy piss you're like so i dude. i nailed the audition i wow. freaking crushed it what are the odds i know it's like meant to be so you really so you took a step when he said that you just kind of like what was it? Just kind of like, oh my god, I got, this I, is I, mine. That's what I said. I, I've got this. Because you, you, you own it. You remembered everything you kind of were setting yourself I up with. I will own it. I will own it. And so they, was, they had. It was perfectly timed because I'd already seen it. That's fucking nuts, dude. So yes, that's how that was. So cut to, uh, so that was middle of January. I'm hired. My first day on the job is Valentine's Day. So I'm boom. Life changed. I'm now officially a member of ESPN and Sports Center. And in how many, in less than a year? No. In a year and a half. Rich, that's... A year and a half. That's your, and a half. that's everything in your life, I mean, is from... Changed instantly. Man, life is nuts, dude. It was But insane. here's why I say, like, luck, I think there is always a little bit of, but again, you create your own good luck. I've It's the Branch that. Ricky line that luck is the residue of devi- uh, a design. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's so... Because you, you, you put yourself in that position, and then, I mean, look at you, like, st- like to... To use that, like a, a distraction like that, to go, well, then yeah. I should, instead of trying to sleep through it and getting no sleep. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I don't know, man. That's just a. It was amazing. I couldn't believe my luck the next day when they're like, oh, so we're just going to use the same tapes from last night's Sports Center. You know, and I'm like, you mean from Dan and Keith? Like, yeah. So 
you know. And you're gonna do it from the bed you sat on in the Yeah, mountain. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not comfortable doing it unless somebody's peeing on top of me. Can you have somebody pee on like I asked for a golden shower? <laughs> A Charlie Steiner golden shower. Oh they almost, they almost fired me on the spot. Oh, my God. No, but Great so, merch, by the way, Stein, <laughs> if you're listening. Uh, so here's the Berman story. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm I'm uh, observing SportsCenter, and back in that day, Chris was long gone from SportsCenter, but would come back to do like a week's worth of shows. Yeah. And he did a week's worth of shows while I was observing. And the thing that I observed that I will never forget is the guy who walked in the meeting is the guy I knew from television. Like, same person, same inflection. And that's not to say that Berman's always on. I mean, you could say that about anybody who's a successful on television. Yeah. But he was the same person, cracking jokes, making lines. I could see he was maybe workshopping a few ideas that mm. work it made people laugh in the meeting he'll take that and put it on the air i know i watched that over three days and i thought to myself that's why he's successful and and subsequently dan patrick keith alberman um uh, stewart name him uh linda cohen steve levy yeah same person on the air as off the air which is in you know, very a great sign of somebody who's very successful in this business. Yeah. So I I noticed that. So it, it it allowed me to be comfortable whenever I would see him in the offices, but I still never really addressed him until about two weeks into my tenure. It had to be like early April or mid April. Yeah. I was doing the Sports Center either right before or right after baseball tonight on a Sunday night. They did like a half an hour show. Yeah. And uh Berman was doing that baseball tonight. Lost yeah. my virginity to that song. No, I actually lost it to OMC's it How it Bizarre. But <laughs> Berman singing it. By the way, similar beat. Similar beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Similar. Yeah. So um, down the streetway, yeah. they had uh in at ESPN uh these uh cubicles that you would sit at. Um, and the the prefabricated cubicle walls would create these hallways that you'd walk through to get from one building to the other or to the studio. Yeah. And um, the uh, folks who worked at ESPN would take the ESPN flags, banners that you would see hanging over the side of a stadium to let you know ESPN is broadcasting the game. They would take those banners and hang them over the sides of the prefabricated walls with a note that said, you know, to on-air talent please sign for such and such charity and i'd been walking through these prefabricated cubicles with five six seven banners out there thinking to myself do i dare sign one of these things i've only been here a month like what if i'm like you know signing next to keith olberman and he strolls around the corner like a race it goes nope not yet exactly yeah, yeah right <laughs> or like, i just didn't want to overstep totally I just didn't want to overstep, like, you know, or think that I'm showing off, like, I'm a mall. Yeah, I was in Redding, California, wiping my ass, <laughs> yeah. you know, three months ago, but yeah. I'm hired here and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a peer of yours. Yes. And I'm signing this banner for charity. I'm, you know, I don't, they don't know me at all, but yes. They're going to be pumped at this they, Yes. Do you know the silent auction is going to be through the roof? <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the, the new guy <laughs> signing. Like, I would never, like, I was totally in mortal fear Good of. Move. Of, of that so Berman sitting in the makeup chair I'm waiting 
and I just decide to go for it. I'm like, Chris, Rich, Rich Eisen, I'm new here. He goes, I've, I've seen you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I know who you are. And I'm like, great, well, I appreciate that. And I got a question to ask you. I mean, who better to ask than you for this question? He's like, shoot. And I tell him my predicament. You know, like I said, Chris, how many shows do I have to do before I should feel comfortable signing these banners? And he goes, how many sports centers have you done? At least one? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, then fuck it. Sign them all. <laughs> and oh, I, I turn God. around. I grabbed the Sharpie. And I went right down the line. And I never thought about it again. Never. Like, I got Berman's permission. Like, who better? Like, who better? Yeah. To give me permission. That's the seal of approval. Than him. Like, and for the... Ever since then, you know, like I'm forever grateful for him. Like, to I, it's a vote I, of confidence I felt too. Comfortable yeah. in a way. Fuck it, sign them all. By the way, I love you. Got the shoulder it. bounce. Oh like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. How many do one? Is he a New York guy too? No, he's from. Uh, I no, yeah, he is. Yeah, okay, he is. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, just, is. That, just he went to Brown. Yeah, right. he talks about growing up in Shea Stadium all the time. Wow. I mean, he's a sweetheart. He's a sweetheart. You know, Keith went went to high school with him. Wow. He's known him forever. Wow. Yeah, that's a cool. And story. Keith once described Berman to me as the two-ton gorilla <laughs> who asks if it's okay to sit down. And I and that's a like he's larger than life. Yeah. And he is the man who helped put ESPN on the map in terms of mixing comedy and lines with sports and also uh making it uh aspirational for athletes to want to see themselves on it. Um, and how so? Like they want us, they want to be on it. They want to Berman. They want Berman to, yeah, to call their highlight. Give them a nickname. Oh yeah, oh yeah. My two nicknames. I had two Berman nicknames. One was Rich Betty Davis Eisen. Okay. Oh my God. And the other one. Your impression and that is like very satisfying. The other right one now. is Rich Kaleidoscope Eisen. <laughs> And he's like, you like the Beatles or you like Kim Carnes? Either one, you got one. Like, that's the way, That's oh what he would say to me. Oh, my God. Rich Betty Davis Eisen. Awesome. Oh, yeah, man. He, have you seen him in a while? Is oh, he yeah. Like, yeah. Of course. Wait, He's so, at the Hall of Fame every year, the Pro Football Hall of Fame every so year. He's get, so, yeah, nicknames for athletes. I mean, that was, I mean, I'm trying to think of some of the, like, more oh, famous ones he Bert dropped. Burt Home Bly Levin. Right. Uh, two, uh, sil uh, Jim, two silhouettes on Deshays. Yeah. Um, the best one is Bernard Gilkey until proven innocent. Oh my God! I'm trying. Wasn't um, there a Dante Bichette one? Um, I, I feel I, like I can. I'm hearing one in his voice. I don't remind okay. that. I remember that one. Jay something. Be like I don't. know. He did. I remember the Mariner ones. I always remember. Yeah. Any Bernard Gilkey. Uh, yeah. Innocent until until proven guilty. That's oh, what it is. Amazing. Um. Oh God. Uh, Joe Actual Retail Price was my favorite. Oh my God. Um. I forget some other ones. Yeah. But anyway, that's a my Berman story. That's incredible. Is a catchphrase, you don't go, that's got to be another thing in the sports center uh, world that, uh, you know, that you that you probably are coming in being like, all right, that, at some point I got to have my own. I think in any broadcasting, right. I asked, uh, you know, Rick Riz has become a good homie, uh, Mariners broadcaster. Yes. And I, when we first, you know, kind of uh, met and at a show and played pool to about 3 a.m. And I was like, asking, we were just fanning out and he's. You know, a guy like you that loves it so much that he can talk sports forever. Yeah. So I, had, we had no problem just going down memory lane or whatever. But I was like, how soon do you try to develop a catchphrase? And yeah. he's like, 
you can't. It's almost like with he's like you know trying to. You're not trying to write a closing stand-up bit that's gonna. You just you kind of have to let it come to you more or less. Yes. Yeah. So is the that, one that I had for a home run call uh, was he got it. Yeah. That's what I would say. He got it. It's the home run call. And then when Carlos Delgado, Delgado, Delgado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would just kind of, and that came from that, that call, uh, shtick, uh, came from uh, a fraternity brother of mine. Perfect. Named David Satlin, who's had a, an immensely successful career as a producer at ESPN. Wow. For many years. But at the time, uh, we met uh, at Michigan. And when I went to grad school, so I went to Michigan, then I was a, uh, I worked for my hometown newspaper in Staten Island, Staten Island, Staten Island Advance, because we put the accent on the first syllable on things <laughs> in Staten Island. So not that Staten Island Advance, the Advance. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I just decided, you know, I, I, I want to try my sports setting, my sports casting career and go for it. So I went to uh, Northwestern Medill School of Journalism oh, wow. for a year. And the last quarter of that program was in Washington, D.C. You worked in D.C. and you would make uh, pieces for uh, actual real television stations that used us mm. as their um, as their correspondents so they didn't have to pay like real professionals to do it. Yeah. So anyway, I'm in Washington, D.C. and the crashed at Dave Satlin's house along with three other fraternity brothers that I knew. They all were Maryland, D.C. based people and they let me crash there for three months. And that was the night, there was a night where I think it was either Gretzky going for the all-time points scored record or goals scored record. I don't remember which one, but he's going for it. We're watching the, the game on ESPN, and my buddy Dave Satlin is cashed out on the couch. Like, he's out. He's snoring, ripping some serious Zs. We have to turn the volume up yeah. because he's asleep. The edibles were kicking in. Gretzky, no, there was no edibles, I don't believe. Okay. So Gretzky shoots, he scores, breaks the record. We're all, like, having a good time and then sit down, and then he wakes up, he turns at the screen, looks at it, and he goes, oh, he got it, and rolled right back over and goes back to sleep. And the rest of the semester, we would use that line. Yeah. In the house, like you got the garbage, I got it. You're gonna pick that up, I got it. You got it. Like we would make fun of Frat him. Frat guys using are that. the best at picking up on like yeah things that just we're gonna run that back. That's we're what we using did. that every day oh, this week. Yeah, like the Letterman rule of comedy, which is use it, use it, use it, then beat it into the ground, <laughs> and then it becomes funnier. So oh, we would yeah. do that over and over again to the point where by the end of the semester, I'm like, if I do reach my goal of being a Sports Center anchor one day. My catchphrase will be. Oh my God! I dude. say you have my you have my scouts honor. I will do it, and that's how I came up with that catchphrase. I'm imitating my fraternity brother, dead asleep at the couch, like coming to saying <laughs> he got it and rolling back over and going to sleep. Oh my! And that's God. so. Some of them are you know, like born out of something you'd have no idea. It's like an inside gag with totally. just a few guys, and um, also makes it more special every time you do it. Probably like takes yeah. you back. And there. I still do it whenever I do like a football highlight for NFL Network, and it's like a field goal. Oh, yeah. I, I called. I called the Germany game last year. Yeah, I call, I'm calling a few games now, and if there's a field goal, I'll use that for a field goal, like from 50 yards away. You got it as it goes through the uprights. That's you know? incredible, man. Just a little fun. I sent you, you know? a text after that. Uh, you crushed that. I don't know how. Uh, that felt for you but your whole germany experience yeah I, I this is a thing why i love social media uh and why i think it's very uh, uh beneficial and just valuable like you 
you uh, took us on your whole journey. You see, you, did you watch that? Oh yeah. Did you saw that? Oh yeah. That's pretty cool. And it made me want to go because you were just like you were very active in. A, it's just like I love people that uh, you know. I, I sometimes struggle with when I'm on the road um, in a city that I haven't been to. I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm like, I should just stay in and do all this work I haven't done yet this week in LA instead or, of venturing off and really like seeing. But if you're in Germany, it's like, especially when you travel overseas, you b- would be remiss to not like step out. But you were, you just had a great uh, showcase of 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 uh, your travels in the city, and it, and it made me more excited to watch the game. Oh, that's so cool! Because then I was like, oh, I bet he'll maybe then bring some of that to the booth. And, well, I, uh, what you're referring to for those who might not have seen it, yeah. uh, as I it was noon. You know, uh, my wife, who normally does love to come to these international games because we get a chance to just go away yeah, together, yeah, yeah. and she had to stay home um, uh, to uh, attend my oldest son's. Uh, appearance in James and the Giant Peach. Um, so, Amazing. Is your oldest so son she, trying to be an actor? She was. She was. He's. You know. He's in, doing it. Yeah. Well, he was in. Uh, he's in. He was. It was an eighth grade performance of it. Great. I know. It's where it starts. So look. I mean, eighth graders doing role doll. I mean, look. It's all good. Hey, I so, was Danny Zuko in grade ten, and I did not have Peach to precede it. Yes. I had. Uh, I think Cowardly Lion in the fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So he's. He's on the right track. If my son only winds up in Peach to Zuko, Emmy nominated uh, uh, (laughs) events, television events like Welcome to Chippendales, I'm in. I'm in for him. So, so at any rate, so he, um, so she couldn't make it, and I'm there by myself, and it's noon, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stroll to the beer gardens. It's just like a few blocks away, and I hit the Instagram Live button, which I don't do too much because I don't want to be like you know the Truman Show. I'd like to like, I don't need a camera on me all the time, but I just kind of wanted to just stroll through and just give people an idea of what it's like to be in Germany for an NFL event because I had already been there for a day and I'd seen how it's kind of different than London. Like I had met Buccaneer fans. It was Bucks versus your your Seahawks. Yeah. And um, I'd already met like Buccaneer fans that came from uh, Ghana, um, you know, from obviously uh, an African the African uh, continent. I saw met people from Dubai, and those folks don't normally go to a game in London. Like Germany is was more centrally located yeah. to for for people to come from different continents, not just different parts of Europe. And I'm like, wow, this is different than the usual. And plus, the Germans know football from NFL Europe, and they had they had. Uh, multiple franchises there they're really into it and i felt a different intensity so i'm like i'm just gonna walk and then i start walking the beer gardens and it was just non-stop fans it it, it was like the united nations it was every team was represented wow and people were drinking at noon and and good vibes total like a great vibes and then the game itself was like a super bowl it felt like it brady and pete carroll who have faced off against each other, as we know. Sorry to bring up. I'm talking about my parents' in, divorce next. In a Super Bowl. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Rich. They both said it felt like a Super Bowl. They both said it was a top five experience for them. Wow. And so this is decisions you make as a broadcaster in real time. And what do you what do you do? So um, two minute warning. Brady and the Bucks need one more first down to wrap the game up. Mm-hmm. And it's a great game. That's all you can ask for. Right? It was it was great. I mean, it had everything. Yeah. It had, you know, scoring. It had Brady it had going Brady. out for a pass yeah. and then slipping and Leonard Fournette's pass was intercepted. Yeah. It, it had everything. 
involved in it. So um, here we are now, end of the game, and it's the two-minute warning, and they play Sweet Caroline in the stadium, in the Allianz Arena, with home of Bayern Munich. And all 75,000 fans there were singing in unison, okay? It was unbelievable, and it's to the point where, you know, we couldn't believe it. We're looking at each other in the booth, me, Mooch, Kurt, and Michael Irvin. We're like, this is unbelievable. And sure enough, we're coming back from break, and I'm thinking, if they're still singing, I hope they're still singing. Like, I hope it doesn't end that they don't stop playing the music because the two-minute warning's about to be over. Right. And the producer says, it gets in my ear, says, when we come back, you know, um, you got to read this card. You know, coming up after the game is the so-and-so post-game report. You got to stay tuned for it. So it's what we call in the television world business you got to do some business coming back so let's do this piece of business coming back and i made the specific decision to when they came back i just basically said something along the lines of hey everybody you just got to listen to this they're singing like neil diamond here in uh, um in germany like it's this is nuts and so i just shut up and listened to the sing-along and that's what people kind of picked up on on social media now that might not have been the case if I just kept yammering. Yeah. So sometimes, like your best choice in our in our world is to shut up, let it breathe. Like, yeah. Let the like let live, the right? moment yeah. live, because it was. I'm telling you, Adam. Like, there's two games coming up in uh, Frankfurt. I don't know if it's going to be the same as Munich, but it's unreal. Like- and one of the games in Frankfurt this year is uh, Dolphins Chiefs. Oh my Ty- God. Tyree Kill against the Chiefs is going to be in Frankfurt, Germany. You know, Mahomes and the Chiefs going abroad. It's going to be wild. Was man. that experience a top uh, top I mean- five? Absolutely. And anything I've ever done for any sport, any network, a million percent. Hey guys, Adam Ray here for the About Last Night podcast. Well, it's another new year. We made it 2023. We did it. Congratulations. Hug yourself, touch yourself. So that when you ask yourself who touched you, you know who it was. You got goals, guys, okay? You want to achieve all of them, every single one of them. And Factor is here to help you do that. So if you're looking to fuel up fast with ready-to-eat nutritionist, nutritionist, nutritious meals, yikes. You ever just forget how to read? Meals delivered straight to your door. Um, then Factor's the place to go, okay? They, uh, they leave you time and energy to tackle everything else on your to-do list. So you don't have to worry about where and what you're eating. Achieve and maintain your 2023 goals with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and start saving time eating well and living your best life yet. If you love Factor, probably because you're too busy to cook and you don't like going to the grocery store and potentially, you know, um, running into somebody uh, from your past. And you want to skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Well, Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, and all you need is heat and, uh, and a positive attitude. So... Whether your lifestyle is keto, calorie smart, vegan, protein plus options are on the menu each week. They're prepared by chefs and approved di- dietitians, not these unapproved dietitians. And each meal has all the ingredients that you need to feel satisfied all day long. 34 chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options are there for you. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 36 plus sweets, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add ons. Cut back on takeout and get factored instead. Okay, it's ready to make, ready to eat food in just two minutes. Eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor. Each meal is prepared by the chefs 
that know what you want, and they're excited to give it to you. So head to Factormeals.com slash LastNight50 and use promo code LastNight50 to get 50% off your first box. That's insane. I didn't know that was the deal until I just read it. That's crazy. 50% off at Factormeals.com slash LastNight50, and you're going to get 50% off your first box. That's insane, so you got to do it. There's no better deal out there and no better food as well. Factor.com slash about last night. Oh, wait, slash last night 50. Okay, do that. Time. I was going to ask I'll never you... forget it. That's amazing. Bird dogs, bird dogs. They are the shorts and active where you like to wear bird dogs, bird dogs. Is it in your head? It should be. Is it on your body? They should be. Bird dogs. Are you tired of sacrificing comfort for style when it comes to your active wear? I know I am. Hey guys, Adam Ray here for the About Last Night podcast, and I need you to stop looking for a solution that's going to revolutionize your wardrobe. Let me introduce you. Yeah, you. Even me? Yeah, dude. To bird dogs. Bird dogs. The ultimate shorts for the modern adventurer. I'm wearing them right now. I'm not kidding, okay? They're the most comfy shorts. I've ever worn. I'm not sure if that's a real sentence, but they really are. These guys hooked me up a little bit ago. I'm glad they're back as sponsors of the ALN podcast. But look, picture this. You're out on a hike. You're hitting the gym. You're getting uh, busy with uh, a stranger from the night or simply lounging around at home. With bird dogs, you'll never have to compromise comfort or functionality ever again. These shorts, listen to me, man. These shorts are designed to adapt to your active lifestyle while keeping you looking sharp. They're sharp. They're sleek. But above all, man, they're so damn comfy. Bird Dog stretched khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. That's why I love them. I got tiny bird legs and big-ass dewy thighs, and these things fit me like a glove. Bird Dogs, look, their shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They just do. I've tried Lululemon, and look, man, they ain't as good. They fit way better than regular shorts, and I used to wear regular shorts all the time, but they're made of that stiff, restricting cotton, and bird dogs ain't about that. They fixed the issue. They invented cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches, which is why you get that comfy, sleek, you know, kind of, uh, you know, summer breeze through your balls, and a way slimmer fit so the ladies or fellas can check out your backside and your front side without having to sacrifice Movement. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. That's another thing I love. Sometimes you sweat down below. You don't want to feel it, and you don't when you're wearing Bird Dogs. Look, say goodbye to uncomfortable chafing and say hello to freedom. Do you need a place to stash your phone, wallet, or keys? Well, Bird Dogs has you covered there, too. With deep, secure pockets, you can keep the essentials close to you without worrying about them falling out during your adventures. Do you like to bone with your wallet and your shorts? You can do that if you wear bird dogs. And did I mention they're incredibly stylish? I did, but I'm going to do it again. They come in a wide range of vibrant colors and patterns so you can express your personality while staying on top of your game. Again, gym, weights, hiking, lounging, banging, birddogs.com slash about or enter promo code about for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. Holy shit. One more time, guys, birddogs.com slash about or promo code about for a free Yeti style tumbler right now. Do it. It won't take you long. Bird dogs are never going to come off you once you put them on. And that's a good thing. Summer breeze makes me feel high. Homing from the salmons of my eye. I don't know how the song goes, but summer is right around the corner. That's what that means. That's what's important. And look, as the sun shines brighter, your skin deserves the utmost attention. Fortunately, my friends at Caldera Lab are here to ensure that your skin is well prepared for the season ahead. Ever since I incorporated Caldera Lab into my routine, taking care of my skin has never been simpler. 
I used to never take pride in my skincare routine. I used to be like, Noxema, clear cell, I'm good to go, you know? But you want clean, crisp, clear skin, and you don't want to be embarrassed going to a barbecue you are plus one at. So, get some Caldera Lab products in your life. They're clinically proven to help visibly reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Confidence and an impeccable first impression this summer are going to be your new best friends. Don't miss out on joining the skincare revolution trusted by countless men, including myself. So, right now, use promo code ABOUT at calderalab.com and enjoy an exclusive 20% off their finest products. Some of you are like, what is Caldera Lab? Well, they create high-performance men's skincare products, and the Rain Man leads off their product lineup. It's a -a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. I use it. I love it. Even my wife, Amanda, says I look 10 years younger, and that's good because I'm older and she is going to leave me if I don't take care of my face. Inside this bundle, you'll find the clean slate, uh, the base layer, and the good. The clean slate is where you start your day. It's a balancing cleanser that uses gentle plant-based cleansing, leaving all the skin types exceptionally refreshed. The base layer is a nutrient-dense fortifying moisturizer that hydrates your skin and absorbs fast, leaving you with a matte finish so you can start your day confidently. And the good is your go-to at night before bed and clinically proven multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother and younger, as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. In every drop of the serum, there's 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. You want to know what that means? Yeah, you do. Well, I have no clue, but it must be good though, right? They have an eye serum called the Icon, which takes away all that dark circle bullshit and puffiness, tightens up the skin, makes you feel good. Caldera Lab is made with top tier ingredients and is a great addition to your daily routine, taking less than a minute, morning and night. Reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. We all want to do it. We all want to feel younger and look younger. So right now, one more time, calderalab.com. Promo code about 20% off at calderalab.com by using promo code about and get 20% off your order. Elevate your skincare game this summer with Caldera Lab. You've been fortunate to do so many insane, whether it's just a 10 games. I mean, even even all the pre, like I think I was, um, well, you were down there. I mean, for NFL Network, you guys are always down for every Super Bowl, right? So, I mean, it's like yeah. it, I, those, th- there can't be a shortage of, um, I don't know, kid in the candy store. Oh, God. Uh, like every time you set up shop and yeah. you're on, the, right? Like, I don't know. The, the whole uh, ambiance around the Super Bowl, to me, I think yeah. is, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but is different than any other Oh yeah, I guess because it is one game. Versus- but there are other ones that are that have a similar feel to it, like that that game I'm just referring to. Um, NFL Network sent me Steve Mariucci and Marshall Falk to New Orleans for the reopening of the Superdome after Katrina. Wow. That was the game where you know uh, Falcons versus Saints, and yep. then obviously um, you know the famous block punt by Steve Gleason. Um, who subsequently began his battle of ALS that he's still fighting. Yeah. And that there's that that statue out in front of the Superdome of him blocking the punt. Wow. And I'll never forget, I get goosebumps just talking about it because um, uh, it was an insane atmosphere all day, you know, when the good people of New Orleans have an entire day to ramp up for an, an <laughs> evening kick. Um, the swing oil is yeah. Uh, flowing. Yeah, yeah. And it was a party. Okay, like, as you might imagine, the reopening of the Superdome and Atlanta is in. And that's, you know, an underrated, beyond underrated NFL rivalry is Saints-Falcons. They despise each other. The fact that the Saints had a chance to make the Super Bowl in Atlanta, okay, the fact that the Saints had a chance to make the Super Bowl in Atlanta a few years ago 
drove Falcons fans nuts and the way that the Saints lost because there was no pass interference called against yeah. the Rams. Yeah. They, they were like chef's kiss. Atlanta, it's like New Orleans isn't here and they're oh, gutted. God. Like they, oh, God. it's an underrated rivalry. Yeah. So um, at any rate, Vic and the Falcons get the ball to kick off the game. Um, third down, Vic rolls to his left. Watch it on, on, on YouTube. He rolls to his left, and the ball comes loose. And when the ball came loose, it was the loudest I've ever heard a stadium that the Saints fans thought that they could get a turnover three snaps into the reopening of the Superdome because Vic fumbled. They shrieked, and then the ball rolled out of bounds. You heard a shriek, and then, oh, God. Okay, so now we're going to punt, and then they blocked the punt. Oh, my God. Loudest. I'm, look, you're seeing it. Like, it's wow. stand-up. Loudest I'd ever heard it. Those are Jew bumps. Incredible. That's insane. That's Unreal. Insane. And that wasn't a Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Funny stories. So we were with Marshall Falk, who is Mr. New Orleans. Yes. He's the, he's the king of New Orleans. Yes. Uh, he used to sell popcorn in the Superdome. No kidding. Yes. He is, he is the king of New Orleans, his hometown. It's me, him, and Steve Mariucci. And right around the third quarter, Marshall says to us, you want to go out afterwards? And I'm like, yeah. With the king of the city, fuck yeah. And Mooch goes, you know, I'm tired. I think I'm just going to go back to the hotel, take a rain check. And I look at him, and I'm like, yeah, Steve, next time the storm of the century <laughs> nearly wipes New Orleans off the fucking map. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you'll go out <laughs> the night the Saints reopen that super the Superdome. Uh, yeah. And then hopefully Marshall yeah. will be in town to show you the good time. Do it then. What are you going to do? Like, oh are you out of your God. mind? And he, God bless him, he went back to his hotel room. He was tired. But that was a night of nights. Really? That was incredible. And that wasn't up. a Super Bowl either. Wow. You know, but I'll never forget that. Have you had a uh, baseball game? I guess, is there a favorite sports memory? People probably, I don't know if you get asked this a lot, but I'm, again, for someone who's such a, a fan but has gotten to attend so many games. Yeah. Or is it, even a game you've watched with, um, I don't know, your brother or been to a, like, you had the... Um, you know, you've been able to to flex the Eisen, uh, you know, card and 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 go to a game and sit in a spot where you got to see mm. a his or a, a Jordan final Wizard game. Or I saw Jordan play for the Wizards at Staples Center two thousand one. Right. I don't consider that my greatest sports memory. It's a it's a, something I definitely cherish because I'm like, I got to see Jordan live. And did he miss a dunk on a breakaway? And yeah. everyone, you know, definitely, you know. That was not fun to watch, but it was uh, seeing him live was cool. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, going to the, the Seahawks Broncos Super Bowl, and uh, you know, just making a weekend out of that, um, and seeing that with uh, with Brad Williams, who's a Broncos fan, and and the and way it went down, sixty degree weather too. Yeah, and it was uh, freezing throughout the week, and then it was sixty degrees on kickoff yes. day, and everybody picked the Broncos. I don't know uh -huh. who you picked. I'm sure. It yeah, them. everybody was like, offense is going to be defense, and then we. And then I'm walking around New York City and I see so many Seahawks jerseys and I'm like, oh, we traveled for this. There's the ball sails past Peyton Manning's head. Yeah. Um, because he didn't hear the snap count and it it, it led to two points. Yeah. And then it was and over then after the, that. And the, it was over after that. It was it was over after that. Unbelievable. I'll never forget that. Yeah. So is there, um, um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you know, watching something at home like a game. Yeah, or, sure. Yeah. I'll give you a couple Please. baseball stories because my first major gig at ESPN was to be the in-studio host of um, 
Major League Baseball on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio got yeah. its first live rights uh, deal while I was there and with Major League Baseball. Um, you know, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights on occasion, uh, playoffs, World Series, All-Star Game. Was Ravage doing that with you? Who was No, I was the— I, Well, no, it was me in the studio, and then in the booth was uh, John Miller and Joe Morgan. That's right. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Unreal combo. I mean, you got Burton Ernie, Donna yeah. Melania, and Morgan and Miller. Well, uh, actually, it's interesting you say Don because I've got so many stories. So, Please, we'll okay. do a part two and a part That's three our, and a part four. Okay. This friendship ain't going anywhere. Uh, so I don't know which one you want me to tell first, but um, dealer's choice. Okay, uh, you, I, I got two baseball stories and then a Trump story. That awesome. Okay, we got about twenty more minutes. Okay, we'll so get them all. I'll, in. Go, I'll get them all in. Yeah. So. Um, I'll go in order. Great. So, um, the uh, nineteen ninety nine All Star Game <clears throat> in Fenway Park was the uh, the famous McGuire Sosa home run derby. Oh yeah. Um, I was part of the uh, uh, national the uh, National League side, and Stuart Scott did the American League side, or cool. one or the yeah. other. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. But uh, radio for the night of the All Star Game, I was positioned behind home plate to do the pregame show and that was the night of the and the all century team was announced and ted williams right did the first oh pitch, yeah I man think. yes yeah. correct oh so so i'm standing on behind home plate and the all century team comes strolling out of the garage in center field like coming out of the corn to the to the field of dreams music as kevin costner takes to the microphone to announce i the just team. got goosebumps to announce the team. In my dick. That's how much that emotion <laughs> just rung through my body. And the all-century team lined up from first to second and second to third as the Major League Baseball All-Stars after that ceremony was announced. And they took their positions upon the baselines from home plate to the corner. So it was a true constellation, diamond of all-stars. Wow. Past and present. And then from that, out comes Ted Williams on a golf cart in a hitter.net hat that his son put on his head, not a Red Sox hat, hitter.net. And and then he comes out, throws the first pitch to Carlton Fisk, as I believe Junior and uh, Tony Gwynn steadied him to throw the pitch to Fisk. And I'm standing by my own plate. And it's my job to describe what's happening. And I I, I must have blacked out because the well, one thing- I'll show you the footage you just went- uh, yeah, It just fell down. Yeah. And so so all the All-Stars, when that first pitch was over, they convened uh, on the mound. They all surrounded Ted Williams. McGuire told me, Ted Williams asked him, do you smell smoke when you hit a baseball? Because he used to hit it so hard, he used to smell smoke when he hit a baseball. A he asked flex. McGuire if that, like exactly, right? <laughs> hey. Or do you just smell the juice <laughs> in your biceps? <laughs> oh boy. So, uh, so, the it went on forever to the point where um, the PA announcer at Fenway Park had to tell these guys break it up. You know we got a game to play, and that's when Pedro came out and struck out four of the first six National Leaguers in Fenway. In Fenway, game was essentially all, like you didn't have to play the rest of the game after that. Oh my! God. Never forget that. That was unbelievable. That's also riddle me this real quick. Mm -hmm. This last All Star game, you know, I went up um, to to do some stuff in Seattle and uh, and some interviews and some s tops made a card of, of me, so I signed some cards at the Fan Fest thing. And the game was the game is always kind of whatever. At least it is for me now. Maybe I'm older and I don't know. I don't have this connection to the players like I did. 
I think sports is like music, like movies, right? Like shows where we're like, man, like the 90s or whatever, at least for me, I don't know how you are, what your era is. It definitely is like that with Saturday Night Live. Everybody has that era that they are more uh, closely attached to. But mm-hmm. that game, I will sometimes YouTube old NBA baseball all-star games, oh, yeah. sure. uh, whether I'm on the plane or in the background while I'm working. It's yeah. calming for some reason. I love seeing uh, that – the. That era when it's like Gonzalez, Tommy, Pudge Rodriguez, Frank Thomas, Griffey, A-Rod, Tony Gwynn. I mean, the 2001 All-Star Game was just every position, even the the guys that get added are legends. Yeah, and, I know. And I just don't think, maybe baseball is... is it's it's young now. It's young. A lot of those All-Stars are okay. young. They're young. We'll see how we'll see how they progress. We talked about this on my show just last week because Pedro came on, and I looked at the All Star lineups from that night. Uh, you know, and compare them to the current All Star lineup. I mean, Bro. like how many Hall of Famers right now can you spot in these current lineups? A handful, I but think that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was it jumped out at you off off the lineup card, man. Like Ken Caminiti would would be on a on a in an All Star game, and you're like, oh yeah. Right, you just get it like that. Like it was a different time, I think, and and interesting that you mentioned those Indians because I did look it up. The because Pedro struck out the first three. Um, God, who who, who was it? Because I had it written down the other day, um, and he did strike out Hall of Famers, yep. including by Sosa. by the Sosa and McGuire guys yeah. that he struck out. And you could make cases. I understand we're, we're, we're treading in that. Bagwell was a strike him out, throw him out. Pudge Rodriguez, Hall of Famer, was yeah. the one who threw it out. Yeah. But then they got the they that w- those are the outs that he recorded. In between, they scored the American League two runs in the first, which even added to the excitement. Mm. Pedro goes strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Then they get two runs. It was Lofton getting on, stealing a base. Manny Ramirez walking and Tome knocking him in. There were Indians all over awesome. the diamond, and just a different time. It was incredible, and um, another story that I've got is, uh, again, I covered the World Series for ESPN Radio, and um, I um, I was in Yankee Stadium uh, getting ready. Well, you had to, old Yankee Stadium, there were only two ways to get on the field, and it was through the, the tunnels leading to each dugout. Mm. So for you to get on the field, after the game, you had to use one of those tunnels. The issue is, though, is that the tunnel would also have to be used, if you're in the wrong one, by the losing team. They've okay. got to come out. Okay. All right? You've got to get out right away to get set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to choose the right tunnel. So on the night that Jeter hit the first home run in November baseball history, because, again, if you remember the 2001 World Series because of 9-11, it got pushed back. Yeah. So here we were. It was a back and forth game. What's that energy like, by the way? Unbelievable. A, it's World dude, Series. It's nine eleven World Series. Dude, what is? Dude, I mean, yeah. you know, we were in Bank One Ballpark. They told us there weren't any planes flying overhead, and it's right in the flight path of the Phoenix Airport, and planes were flying right overhead in Game One. And then we were in Game Three. That's the night that George Bush threw out the first pitch. He saw Apache helicopter snipers everywhere. I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on here tonight? And the fact that that guy. With a with a bulletproof vest, stepped out on that mound and threw a bullet yeah, across dagger. home plate. Yeah. It's one of the greatest pitches I've ever seen. Certainly thrown by a non-professional <laughs> yeah. baseball yeah. player. I will never forget that World Series. And then here we were on the night that Jeter hit that November home run. But the lead went back and forth. You know, Byung-Hung Kim from the yeah. Diamondbacks blew a lead yeah. after the Diamondbacks got the lead. So we were going. You know, because we had to choose the right tunnel to get out of. You know, we were going. 
Um, we had lined up. You had a lineup. So the Fox had the first position. They're the television's right holder, rights holder. And then I was right behind them with Charlie Steiner, who also was doing the radio coverage. Great. The two of us were standing next to each other behind the Fox person, whose name I don't remember right now. And, and then everyone else was behind us. And so when the lead changed from the Yankees to the Diamondbacks, oh, <laughs> we ran from the Yankee. <laughs> Like and it was like the Benny Hill show. Like remember the the yes. cop was fun, yeah. you know the cop was running with the doctor and the Kevin nurse. McAllister and Home so Alone. It was, it was all of the emergency services people, cops, EMTs, and whatever that had to be there as well. Chaperone, yeah. And us, microphones, cameras, running from this tunnel around home plate oh into the visitors God. tunnel, and then wait a minute. <laughs> Going back and forth. And so with each, so now that the Yankees were up in the bottom half of a walk-off potential inning of a tie game, we would run back to the Yankees. Oh, they didn't get it run back to them. Like we were running back and forth to choose the right egress for us because we had to choose the egress of the winning team. Sure. So here we were, and I was lucky because the position of me lining up next to some little room little room with a television set in it, a little black and white television set. I was told that that little room was the room of the longtime Yankee uh, um, clubhouse man, Pete Sheehy. Great. You know, probably Babe Ruth probably banged three people in that room. <laughs> and so- They right, call that a Pete Sheehy. But at least they call it Pete Sheehy. <laughs> so I was actually able to see on the television set, but the, the reception was off. And so sure enough, I hear thunder. Like thunder. I'm like, is it fucking raining? What happened? And somebody screams out, Jeter just hit a walk-off. Go, go, go. People pushing me. Oh I'm pushing Steiner's pushing. And we all shove out, and all of a sudden the cheers and thunder gets louder and louder and louder and louder. Now I'm shoved out in Yankee Stadium. I look up, and there's 58,000 people going ape shit as Jeter's rounding third. And I'm like, Oh, you got out there just as you saw yeah, him rounding third. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm a diehard Yankee fan yeah. from, from birth, and I just took it all in. Like, the stadium where I grew up in is just, like, hopping up and down. Rich, that's crazy. I will never forget that night either as Jeter's rounding third. And the crazy thing is is that, you know, uh, as, I, as I get out there, the reception in my ears comes back, so I hear John Miller with the call, and he is pitch perfect because he is a – he's incredible. And that's my third story. Mm. So as I transition please, myself. Please. Okay. So I was begging also, as I was telling you earlier about doing other assignments and events, begging to call games. I wanted to call a baseball game in the worst way. And I finally got a chance to call a game. And it's time, you know, to to do it. And about a week beforehand, I um I uh, call up John Miller. And I'm like, why not? He's a Hall of Fame announcer. I asked him for some tips, and he couldn't have been nicer. Awesome. Couldn't have been cooler in giving me tips. I asked him, uh, what happens if I'm in the middle of telling a story and say the ball his, hits a bag, pops up in the air, and, you know, some triple play happens? Like, what do I do? Like, how awkward is it for me to just stop telling a story? Mm -hmm. and, and he goes, let me ask you a question. Let's say you're having a talk with your friends. And a Playboy Playmate looking type girl walks in the bar. What do you do? Do you stop telling your story and look at the girl? And I'm like, uh, like thinking, is this a trick question? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, the ball hitting the bag and all that stuff is like the girl. People will understand that you're stopping to tell your story to talk about what everybody's looking at. 
Wow. And I'm like, that's sold. Like, I get it. Wow. I get it. So stop telling your story. You don't have to finish your story if something wild's happening on your screen. You know, and um, I'll never forget that story. So sure enough, cut to years later. I'm living out here in Los Angeles. Just a, a personal factoid that nobody really needs to know, but uh, the matron of honor in my wedding is one of the ex-wives of Steve Mnuchin, who wound up becoming the Treasury oh, Secretary yeah. of the United States under Trump. Years before all of that happened, we get a call saying, hey, this is, I guess, when they, I think they were still married, and um, hey, uh, Donald Trump is in town tonight here in Los Angeles. Do you want to meet the dinner? seeing Ed Sheeran at the... Nokia Theater. There you go. Mnuchin's going to be there. Excuse me. That's it. Yeah. So, but, you know, growing up in New York City, you know, Donald Trump was somebody who was- Just a goofy guy yeah, with a weird right. haircut Well a before money. everything that's gone on. <clears throat> this is years ago. And um, my wife and I were like, sure, we'll go. And as you might imagine, the dinner he was always talking about was his big, beautiful golf course and how large it is, the acreage, like all of the on-brand stuff- about him that you would say. Now, before he's Trump of now, are you just looking at him as like, like for me, when I've been around people that are that braggadocious, I just kind of laugh them off and Correct. don't even take them seriously. Uh, exactly. It's, you find a way to enjoy well, Again, and be don't amused. forget, like he was the guy on Stern. He was yeah. a, he was at the, the roasts for many years yeah. before all this insanity. And could take a joke, it felt like. Of course. Yeah. So, you know, I'm listening to all this stuff and he's telling it's his 15th story about his golf course or whatever. And oh in the God. middle of the story, some like statuesque six foot two brunette walks behind me and he stops telling the story. And he goes, Oh, wow, she's beautiful, and proceeds to finish the story. When he's done with that, I say to him the story I just told you about calling baseball yes, games. Yes. And John Miller told me, yeah. Keep telling your story. Yeah, no yeah. one's going to, you know, bat an eyelash. You yeah. stop to talk about the beautiful woman in the room. And I'm like, You are the first person to actually put it into practice yeah. like in real time oh my god like you're the first guy oh my god to do it you yeah. just did it you just like did it, man. and i've been following that advice for everything that i've done you know live in my career that yeah. i'm calling and yet you just did it and, you know john miller's right like you know i'm the john miller of entrepreneurs <laughs> That's what I said i'm like you know i didn't bat an eyelash we all looked at her we all looked and went right back and to he you. just went like this just made this, you know, look on his face and then continued telling Weird. his story. By the way, that like face he, you like just it, made, I, he that makes, was it. and that's him kind of taking the compliment, but also being like, duh. Yeah, or, not, like, or, not or not laughing even, at it or, not or whatever. Or not it hearing was it. just wild. Did he laugh? Would you remember no. a moment where he said, no. yeah. Because <laughs> to oh me, I'm like, God. I've never <clears throat> seen another human being actually put that advice that's crazy. On how to call a baseball game or any sporting event when in the middle of a story that something happens. Oh, man. And he, John Miller is right. We all looked at her. Would you? And here's how <laughs> fucked up, like, the train wreck of who he is, is I, if you put him in the booth for a game, for an inning, I'd probably listen. To who? hear him call Trump. Oh, Call okay. a game. Yeah. I don't think he'd be great. Well, I know we just—it uh, was the anniversary of Bo Jackson's All-Star home run last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, Thirty-four years. Then Reagan was in the booth. That's right. As Scully was calling. I it. watched that uh, clip that you guys from the, the show. Yeah, that was crazy. Wow. Uh, favorite baseball movie? Oh. If God. you have an honorable mention, that's fine. Uh, you know what? I I I will go. Um, Bull Durham. 
I just find it so funny and so real and so, you know. You uh, love Costner. I do. Yeah. Because Field of Dreams would be my next. You know, Costner is just spectacular. Come on. He's just a real dude, too. Tin Cup could have been nominated for an Academy Award. Dude. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I, I, you know, I was in draft day. Oh, yeah. As well. I'll rewatch. That's a rewatch for me. I'll get, I just got a few of those these days. I, I always love getting these calls. So, you know what? I just turn on the TV. It always starts higher register. Like, you know what? So I just turn on the TV. You know, I just I saw, like, what, what are you doing there? Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I mean, I'm, I, I, you're natural. I, I sometimes sneak in. Yeah. I sneak in through the side door. You don't see me coming. You I know, know you, uh, Dan Patrick's, uh, he's a homie of yours, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he's, I think I saw him when uh, Adam Devine went on a show recently, and he said he's been in like 30 Sandler Oh, films. he's in a ton of Sandler movies. Oh, and yeah. Adam didn't know that, and I was like, are you fucking insane? Like, yeah. it, it, almost every movie. Right. As soon as I get to that level, mark my words, you'll be my Dan Patrick. I'm here for you, brother. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to close this out with um, a couple things. First of all, let me tell you this. I'm, uh, it's like a, I got married in October. Um, any advice? You're how many years Oh, a 20. Wow, muzzle. 20. Attentiveness. Attentiveness. Yeah. That is, uh, that is, that Listen is, Listen to the that stories. The, yes. Attentiveness, very, well, no, just be there. Yeah. Uh, don't try to fix things. Hear them out. I would suggest hear them out. Don't try to fix. Um, what else can I tell you? It's it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> do you ever see the what was the name of the show on HBO with the bigamist about the bigamist with Bill uh, oh, um, Bill 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 Paxton? Paxton. Yeah, uh, I forgot uh, what it was uh, called. Not, not uh, thirteen wives. Uh, he had three wives in oh, it. Butt stuff. No, what was it called? Mormon <laughs> Utah. I, whatever it was called. Stockton um, City. No, it was it was based in Utah. It was um yeah <clears throat> a big love. Big love. And I remember watching an episode of it. I remember watching an episode of it. And he comes out of a meeting and turns his phone back on. And he listens to it and he goes, you have 18 new messages. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought to myself, if I had three wives... I would, I would, I'd probably even take the over on the end. Like just, he's gone for an hour. Oh, you have 18 new messages. so fucking funny, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You uh, guys laugh a lot? We do. You strike, you strike me as a couple that does. We yeah. do. Um, okay, I'm going to say a name, and then um, I want you to give me uh, either a, a story, a okay. sentence, okay. something that, that, that they mean to you. Sure. Um, uh, Stuart Scott. Love him. Oh, my God. Uh, it's It's just... I have nothing but love and warmth and getting to know him. He called me his um, his TV wife all the time. Wow. And, um, you know, my, my wife just who just hit 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 me on uh, the phone here. Um, she was a producer there and I wanted to, you know, go out with her on the spot. It took her three years to understand <laughs> my value. <laughs> um, and uh, Stewart had a front row seat to me, you know, attempting and getting rebuffed, and her thinking but pulling back. And he constantly tried to play us to the middle, and you know, get us together because you could speak to anybody who's come across Stewart, um, and he's always like, you know, love each other and make kids and be family and whatever and he 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 always played us to the middle 
And so, as you know, we, we eventually get married, my wife and I, and there's a photograph of me on the wedding night of Stuart holding my hand and looking at the wedding ring with this big smile on his face wow. that has two messages. One is, you know, it happened. And then the other message is, we did it. You know, wow. like, yeah, we did this. Like, he he had a, a role in it. And, That's you know, awesome. like that... That is quintessential Stuart. Here's another great story. Please. I've told this multiple times, so I'll... New audience. Oh, my God. So it's the NBA All-Star Game Night in New York City, and Stuart and I have to... It's a, it's happening on Sunday, Madison Square, and it's one where uh, uh, Kobe waved off Karl Malone uh, from the block um, and, you know, wanted to go one-on-one, yeah. I think, against... Jordan probably it was it was a moment I believe they they did cover that moment in the last dance yeah Stuart was not happy about having to do the Saturday night sports center at 11 o'clock he was pissed because he thought he had earned the right um through his work over the years to uh get that night off not have to do just the normal sports center routine just a Saturday night sports center that didn't really require his presence sure like he 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 felt like he should have been part of the mix. He was not happy about doing it. Um, I had a place on the Upper West Side to a crashing pad to just go and live life outside of the Connecticut bubble. Yeah. So we take a car down. Um, he he gets the car, and we're sitting in the back. He's on the phone a lot, and you could he's he's not happy about a few things. We finally get to New York City. And um, he's like, let's let's go to one of the parties, the party at All Star Cafe. If you remember, it was like the sports yes. version oh, of yeah. Planet Hollywood. Yes, yes. You know, I think Love it was Tiger part. and Griffey yes. and Gretzky. Yes. Or, they were the owners, yes. right? Maybe Jordan. There'd be sports memorabilia. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a Wahlburgers for right. sports. Right, Tiger. Uh, so anyway, so yes, um, and it's in um, uh, um, Times Square. Yeah, we pull the car into Times Square. And people are walking out of the All Star Cafe. We didn't get down in time. Like the midnight, the eleven o'clock sport ended midnight. Lead footed it down. It was like two a.m. Mm. and the party's over. And I'm like, well, that's that. And he goes, what do you mean that's that? He goes, there's got to be another party. I'm like, how are we going to know it? And he goes, hold on a second. Tells the driver to pull over on Seventh Fucking Avenue, and we're pulled over in a spot where cars are definitely not supposed to be stopping in Times Square, regardless of the time of sure. day or night. And he gets out and he walks up to a cop. And and uh, I'm like thinking to myself, what is he doing? Yeah. So of course the cop knows who he is, and he gets opens the car door up and he goes, cops always know where the next party is. He goes, it's on 33rd Street, and he has the car drop us off at 33rd and like seventh or eighth, and um, and we get out, and we start walking west, and um, I am in a neighborhood uh, I've never been in. Mm. And I am suddenly, as we're walking west to this club, the only white guy on the street. Sure. And Stuart Scott is like parting the Red Sea. <laughs> he is Moses. And one guy walks up to us, <clears throat> and he looks at Stuart. And if the camera that I'm on is, is, is me, yes. the guy goes, Stuart Scott, oh my God, I can't believe this. You are... You are a legend. You are a god. And the white guy. <laughs> the white guy is here. 
<laughs> and Stuart oh, man. loved that story. <laughs> he could not have scripted it more to his delight than that exchange. Oh, my fucking God, dude. And the white guy. <laughs> it's the name of your memoir. Dot, dot, dot. And, and the, the white guy. guy. Maybe so. <laughs> I mean, I could fill up another hour and a half with two stories. You're unbelievable. Uh, two more names, cool. Yeah, <clears throat> Chris Brockman. Oh, Brockman is my guy. Um, you're mentioning Chris Brockman. He's my uh, on-air compadre on my show. Uh, I met him years ago. He was at NFL Network, and um, he is a <laughs> mass hole of the uh, first variety, <laughs> but incredibly talented. Yes. And so, when it was time uh, for my podcast that I was doing. Um, I started a podcast uh, at NFL Network in 2011. And um, immediately upon starting it, um, the lockout hit. So um, programming came to me and said, hey, uh, we'd love for you to, we'd love to televise your podcast because we're looking for cheap programming. Mm. And I said, I will do it as long as you call it inexpensive programming with other people. Yeah. Just don't call it cheap. Yeah. That's all I ask. Yes. So we ended up doing our podcast uh, on camera for the first time. That required getting a producer who would cut up the footage and make an actual half hour television show out of a podcast that ran an hour and a half long and Chris was the guy. And so Chris started to do it and then I kind of caught wind of his love of sports and his mass holishness. <laughs> and his, uh, his sense of comedy, and um, uh, even though he's got this uh, gruff exterior, he's got this sweet interior, mm. and I put him on the air uh, with me and our, another colleague of ours named Chris Law, who also did start the show with us. Right. Uh, Chris is no longer with the show for about five some odd years, but Brockman has been with us since, you know, our show, and um, since Jump. And, you know, now he and Sarah Tiana are a um, power couple, power couple with yeah. a beautiful baby. Oh, yeah. And um, Chris is just, um, you know, somebody I wouldn't want to do my show daily with without. And same thing with T.J. Jefferson, oh, yeah. who's now on our show as well. Another on-air compadre, um, our, uh, our audio executive, as he likes to be referred to, is our sound guy. His name is Mike Del Tufo. Yeah. He's a Jersey guy. Yeah who was also uh, an original NFL Network guy. So oh, nice. I've known him for 20 years. Wow. And um, It matters to have that, um, I don't know. Chemistry. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And fami familiarity. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. All right, uh, Reggie Jackson and Don Mattingly. Oh, my God. Reggie got me into being <laughs> a Yankee fan, and Mattingly is my favorite Yankee of all time. Favorite athlete of all time, too? Favorite, yeah. Oh, favorite athlete of all time. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. Why not? Nice. Mattingly's an athlete. Yeah. My, he's, he's just, he's... He's my favorite. He's I mean, Reggie, I, and I've had fortune to have both of them on and tell them both to their face what they, they mean to me. I mean, Reggie got me in a, this will be my last story I'll tell you Please. here, so, because I'm, I'm sure I'm boring no, your audience. No, no, I, I, Rich, we could do this for five hours, okay. dude. So, Mattingly, I mean, I loved him from Jump. He comes along two years after Reggie is dispatched by Steinbrenner to the Angels and stalking Queen Elizabeth with uh, Frank Drebin on his tail. And um, long story short, um, uh, Mattingly becomes my favorite player. And it's obvious that the team's not very good around him. And um, it's the first time in my Yankee fandom that my team's letting me down a little bit. 
Um, and I'm wondering if they're any good, but Mattingly's my guy, and I'm desperate for him to stay a Yankee. And Steinbrenner um, got on his case for his long mullet that he wore. Yeah. He wanted him to cut his hair, and he started criticizing Mattingly, who was on the verge of becoming a free agent. So I'm a freshman at Michigan, and the Yankees are coming into Tiger Stadium. And I'm like, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to personally make sure Don Mattingly does not leave the Yankees because I'm going to tell him on behalf of all Yankee fans how valuable he is and how wonderful he is, and he can't leave people like me representing a whole Yankee fandom. Wow. So I get a car from one of my fraternity brothers, and I drive down to Tiger Stadium. And I get there way before first pitch. Like, the fences are fucking locked. And I wait, and I'm the first one in the stadium. What's that like? And Wild. Yeah. <laughs> and I am belly up. I am belly up to the dugout of the Yankee away dugout. I am going to have my say which I have rehearsed on the drive down, waiting for the gate to open, waiting for Mattingly. And I'm like, I'm going to tell him, you can't do this. Don't worry about Steinbrenner. Yeah. You are special to us. Your hair is beautiful. You are the only, your hair is beautiful. Whatever it is, you don't touch it. Just don't listen to that guy. Yeah. Do not leave us. It's actually and I had Costanza. It, exactly. Yeah. I had it Larry all <laughs> worked out, Adam. And the first guy out of the dugout, locker room, door, is Don Mattingly, and I am face to fucking face with my guy. And I go, Donnie Baseball! Woo! Woo! Oh, yikes. And he turns around, gets bug eyed, and runs away from me. Never saw him. <laughs> Cut to. I mean, I mean what, were you, what were you supposed to do? Cut to the All Star game in Seattle, which was what, 2001? 2001. I'm there for ESPN Radio. Yeah. And I'm doing the sidelines on ESPN TV of the celebrity softball game. Awesome. Captain of one of the teams, Don Mattingly. And I am now face-to-face -face with Don again, and he tells me, I love watching you. I watch you all the time. Wow. I almost started crying on the spot, and I'm yeah. like, you have no idea what you mean to me. And I... And I told him, like, what you've meant to me, so thank you for everything. I, I, I just unburdened myself. And he turns around and he goes, well, nice to meet you, Rich. And I'm like, well. <laughs> Hold that back. Don, <laughs> we have met before. <laughs> and he goes, what do you mean? And I told him the story of what happened. And I said, do you remember? And he goes, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so I embarrassed myself. Hey, man, a lot of people scream Donnie baseball. Again. Well, you doubled down. I doubled down because I only know one speed. <laughs> I only know one way to be, man. Dude, dot, 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 and the white guy. And the white guy. Um, that's unbelievable. All right, last one. Uh, Susie, your wife. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I love her. She's uh, my world, brother. She's the center of our universe. The kids, me, her, um... Um, she had me at hello to use the uh, wow. the sports phrase. Um, uh, I did not. Um, you what, know, what was I, the first date? What was that you said it took? Uh, the two thousand something ESPYS. I forget. Great. Yeah, first man. Date. Oh yeah. Fuck. I thought you were gonna long. say like Panera, no, Bristol, no, or something. in Vegas. 
Vegas. Vegas has a Panera? Uh, no. That's not the first time I've asked no, that No, the today. ESPYs in Vegas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, wow. But yeah, and the fact that I get to uh, work with her too, she you know, uh, does my show when I'm out of the chair. She's going to do a podcast this fall um, with um, with Amy Trask, the longtime executive of the Raiders. Yeah. They're going to do it together. It hasn't been announced yet, but uh, I Unreal. guess I'm interested to hear. Um, so the fact that I, um, you know, I have a production company with her, and then we've got three kids together, and, um, you know, obviously she's my wife for 20 years, and she is truly the center of my universe, you know? That's beautiful, man. Thanks, pal. She's a sports fan, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that oh, helps. Another mass hole. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, man. When we first started oh, having God. kids, and, and uh, the, the, the Celtics bibs... And Red Sox onesies oh, and Patriots gear comes oh, to the house, no. and I had to I had to make a decision. And this is something as well. Like, is your wife a? She's a, a Cardinal. She's an AZ girl. Okay, but she's adopted my. Uh, okay, uh, Seahawks which is great because no, the Cardinals are struggling. Good enough. Um, I had uh, sort of like a uh, an attorney in a criminal trial, uh, preemptories of who gets to sit in the jersey, uh, the jury. So um, I, I'm being a Jet fan and a Michigan guy. When Patriots gear comes to the house, and it's 2007, 2008, mm. 2009, and Tom Brady is winning championships, for me to turn to a child and say, you must be a Jet fan, child services would ring my doorbell <laughs> and take the child away from me. They'd have to. Okay, so that's aside. <laughs> uh, the Knicks, you know, um, I James Dolan I am not a fan of. I have been very critical of him on my show. So, you know, <clears throat> the... 80s kid in me who hated Bird and McHale and Parrish and ML Carr waving his towel and Danny Ainge and all those guys uh, would be very upset with me for saying, okay, Celtics, fine. Yeah. Red Sox gear, though, I had to draw a line in the sand, Thank sir. Thank God you did. I had to draw a line in the yeah. sand, and all that shit went back east. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I have to, that, that has denied them championships. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but there has to be... Something in a line of the sand. Plus, Susie went to Columbia, so college football and basketball is wide open. So I have uh, put Michigan front and center. That's well, you should. So yeah, <laughs> there's that. That's amazing. It does uh, help to have. Um, I don't know your your uh, better half. Like not be. I mean, I don't know if you have to. My my brother-in-law, Dirte, the white rapper. My sister's married to a white rapper. His name is Dirte. We'll the white guy? Away. Yeah, the and white. the white guy. Yeah. Uh, he's also a big sports fan, but he, my sister and he have to, you know, it's a, sometimes a battle of, like, how much you get to watch during the football season. Like, mm -hmm. you don't get to – Sunday isn't going to be a wash. You pick a game or whatever. So I don't know how you uh, you balance that out through your career. But I guess well, Sunday, it's your job. It's, so. Yeah, man. Sunday was the, – the, the, look, everyone in the house knows that uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done yeah. watching television. Yes. And I know it's difficult to tell the kids, you know, get off TV, do your homework. And they're like, you watch yeah, yeah. TV for work. <laughs> yeah, like, but. shit, that is, uh, <laughs> that is correct. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. you know, yeah. this is what puts a roof over the head. Totally. Uh, the last big battle, though, over the remote involving sports and not in our house was um, Ohio State and Georgia. Hmm. The national semifinal college oh, yeah. football game went down to eleven fifty nine thirty of New Year's Eve, and my oldest son, who's not really into sports all that much, and my daughter insisted on watching the ball drop, and um, and and you and gave in. and the, the game winning kick, whether Ohio State or Georgia would go on to the national championship game, and 
Ohio State moving on after Michigan had just lost earlier in the day to TCU. I had just gotten back from the airport having flown with my youngest son to watch that disaster unfold in Arizona. Got home just in time to see the end of that game, but lost out to dad, you know, just you'll see the kick on your phone in like two minutes. Let's watch the ball drop. Yeah. And the ball drops. Seacrest called midnight once. My 2023 began with the spiteful (laughs) wish of when I hit last channel after the ball's dropping, I will turn back and see either Georgia celebrating or my fucking nightmare of the Buckeyes who we thought we killed off with our second consecutive win against them in November. Yeah. If they've now moved on to the national championship game instead of my team, oh my and I hit the last channel. That's how my 2023 began by hitting the last channel one more time, and I saw, you know, Georgia, and I saw, you know, all the bulldogs going around. And oh my god! Oh, it was just a the great remote way. battle, a, a family great, remote battle. It started so 2023 began with a family remote battle and a very spiteful sports moment <laughs> for me, um, and it all worked out. It all worked out. It did, and it's all working out. You're a goddamn legend. Oh, brother. I can't thank you enough for making time. Truly rich. You like, asked, I, like, like, you coming on my show, you're like, hey, I want to have you on, and I know I've been, you know. You're busy. I, but you I, so reached I out. You. I need people to know that it's like following up. I mean, you know, you you know this getting people to come on the show. It's like timing is so imperative. Yes. And, it's, and everyone has. Uh, but I'm old school, you know, and if I make a commitment. I appreciate that. I, it's something I want to carry through on. Plus, I tell people all the time, you know, hey, if you're in L.A., let me know you're in town. Um, so I was free, and I let you know. So I'm glad it could work out. Um, well, uh, happy pre Yom Kippur. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to. I hope this. I see you before September. <laughs> we will. Okay. Um, Seahawks, real quick. You think they're going to uh, make a Did splash? Did you see their throwbacks today? They yeah. announced yeah. the '90s throwbacks. Did you guys cover that at all on the show? Uh, we didn't have time for it today, yeah. but we're going to do it tomorrow. Okay, good. Because their their rollout of it was phenomenal. They yeah, did a whole. To, I'll try to get you one. Yeah. Uh, it looks incredible. Looks, oh, my God. I love that shit, right? Big time. And those are great colors. And sometimes that's... they don't look so good. This one no. is, as the kids say, fire. Do you think Pete Carroll will win one more Super Bowl before he retires? <sighs> Hold that thought. We'll uh, right no, back. no, no. It's all about a quarterback. It's really all about the quarterback. You know, I mean, we, we talk. That's all we've been talking about over the last week was, you know, the running back market and do you pay running backs or not? And you don't have to pay running backs in a world if you're, uh, you know, Mahomes. You don't need a guy who runs 700 rushing yards because you're Mahomes. And that's Mahomes has won two out of the last four. And, you know, if you get the quarterback, it'll be, you know, the running game and the passing game coming off the running game is kind of an old-school way of working. Yeah. However, the guys that they've got catching passes in Seattle are sneaky, Come on. top-notch from – in terms of a grouping, I mean, DK Metcalf, um, you know, along with um, Lockett. Lockett, and now Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is a dynamite receiver I out think of he's Ohio State. Be a, uh, surprise. You know, and Kenneth Walker. Look, I can personally, as a Michigan fan, tell you Kenneth Walker can run down your throat, and Jackson Smith and Jigba can run past you. Um, and then they got that kid, Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. They've yeah. got, and, you know, uh, uh, they put Bobby Wagner back in, where he belongs. And, um, you know, Jamal Adams is coming back from injury. And thanks to the Russell Wilson trade, they got that kid Witherspoon who's insanely talented with the kids they already have on the line and on the back end who are insanely talented. Tariq, Diggs. Dude, I'm telling you. Kobe. If Geno can do again what he did last year, you can't say no. Cool. 
I'll take that. You got it. I'll take that. Rich Eisen, um, and my favorite part of uh, one of my favorite parts of your show is um, is watching uh, the clips the next day because, and I said this on your show, you've got sweet, silky pipes. In addition to being an attentive, generous man with a gift of gab, nice. uh, one of my favorite, uh, just being a, 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 a uh, appreciator of of uh, people who've been gifted and use their pipes uh, appropriately the way that you uh, end your clips with. You made it all the way to the end. Thanks for that. Yeah, okay. Fantastic. I appreciate that. Come back, brother. I love you. Same. Thanks for this. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.